In this episode of Set Square Downloaded. When doing business is not just about price, it's about surviving through difficulties and tough patches. That diverse and inclusive workforce is going to be very useful to business because there are struggles all around. I've had struggles in my life. They're probably very different to struggles that other people from different backgrounds may have had. And actually that experience, that life experience, has many advantages to business as well. Being more inclusive isn't just about what you do, it's about how you think. So it's about challenging your own preconceptions. It's about allowing yourself to feel uncomfortable. It's about sitting down and thinking about the way that you think and allowing yourself to potentially be a little bit vulnerable and maybe feel like the bad guy occasionally. Welcome to Set Squared Downloaded, the podcast brought to you by Set Squared, the global number one university business incubator. This year, Set Squared Bristol announced a new diversity and inclusion research project, which aims to increase the inclusion and representation of non-white business founders applying to the incubator. The project aims to improve and increase the inclusion and representation of black, Asian and minority ethnic BAME business founders applying to the incubator. Research from 2017 shows that just four of Set Squared Bristol's current members have BAME founders, which is not reflective of Bristol's population, of which 16% are from BAME backgrounds. The new project and report are looking to address these issues and provide well-needed research in an area where understanding is key. In this episode, we speak to two people about the challenges that those from diverse backgrounds face in business, as well as the key findings and actions from the Set Squared Research Project. First, I spoke to Azir. Hi, my name's Azir Razak. I'm founder of A to Z Technologies. We've created a number of solutions for clients um, in the past. And we saw um, recently an opportunity where I approached to look for a product that did um, HR and expenses. What we did is we did some research in the market and we found there to be a lack of suitable products that could be tailored to meet our clients' needs. And from this, uh, Luna HR was born. Luna HR is a platform that records a wealth of information. And what we do is we turn that information um, through machine learning into, and we predict trends in the workplace for our clients. What we do with that is um, our clients can then use that to improve employee engagement, retention, therefore creating a better workplace. And this will result in um, increased productivity. Azir, would you mind sharing a bit of your story with us? How did you end up starting your own business? I started my own business out of necessity to begin with, more than uh, wanting to start my own business. So what had happened is I graduated shortly after the dot-com bubble had burst and jobs were hard to come by. It was really an employer's market. They could sort of cherry pick um, the best employees and me as a graduate, my appeal, I guess, was quite low at that point. The other thing was I was applying for jobs uh, regularly I got rejected from one job, for example. I was told that it was because my English was not good enough, which I found really strange. And that sort of put me off a little bit. I think it went through a period of sort of not really being interested in looking for jobs at that time uh, after that. And then I started A to Z sort of out of chance, really, following that, because I did some initial work for a client um, just to keep me going, just to keep some money coming in. And it turned out that I would actually take over their IT contract. I then sort of went away and 
and so yeah yeah i got established got set up formed the company and tried to get more work that was it was okay um but i really needed more of an income i actually ended up getting a full-time job as a developer and i ended up moonlighting for a number of years and the business the a to z business grew um i ended up getting part-time um so i could spend more time moonlighting um and then a few years later i took on staff and then a couple of years ago sort of shortly after creating luna hr i decided to quit being an employee and focus on the business full time it sounds like you had some of your own barriers in those early stages where people say you couldn't speak english properly which seems like madness speaking to you now but would you say there are big barriers for black asian and minority ethnic business founders i would say there are many there are many barriers and it's very complicated i think that people underestimate how difficult it can be especially if you know you you're trying to go into a, a market or a, a field that that doesn't have that sort of cultural mix and i'm only speaking from experience so i only know what i know and i can tell you my experiences and i think that to be a founder you have to have a high level of resilience anyway and i think that the ethnicity and also religious background also adds an extra dimension to that because we live in a world full of stereotypes uh, it's very difficult for people to not have sort of unconscious biases when they're interacting with people and i think it's far easier where people are put into boxes and it's just left at that so that's how they're going to be and i'm happier sort of being in that world and not me personally being happier in that world but when you when you're trying to converse with somebody there's this sort of it's more than just about appearance or or what color their skin is or where where you may perceive they are from and if they're a a new immigrant into the country or they've been born and brought up here and the problem i'd say is that unfortunately if if that view is then set into somebody's mind and that's how they perceive that person it's very difficult to get a deeper understanding because you can only really get to know somebody by speaking to them and accepting that people may speak differently and cultural differences may mean you need to try something different or they may interact with you very differently so for example i'm muslim and if i'm speaking to a female one of the things that we're sort of taught is that try to avoid making eye contact the thing is then that can be quite awkward because the person you're speaking to may think that you're looking at other parts of their body and get very awkward and get quite defensive and that kind of thing so so it is so it is quite complicated and i think that isn't necessarily just a religious thing but actually you do get that from certain cultures cultures influence interactions differently and and the thing is is that what is a normal encounter so what is a normal engagement between two people or sets of people because actually if we picked ourselves up and moved ourselves to a different part of the world say for example china the way businessmen or business women or business people would interact would be very differently i think there is a there is an element of understanding and if 
if at first glance, I guess, you know, you're not welcomed into a conversation where it's easier to speak to somebody else because there's that perception, then it is quite difficult. But also I think within, within the um, sort of the BAME community or people of color, there's, there's also sort of like a lack of role models and mentors within the community. And that creates another problem because when you've got somebody wanting to make an impression, they need to have confidence and they need to know that they can speak in a certain way and that kind of thing. But also on the other side, there needs to be a sort of like acceptance that the language that person may use might be different or words could be misconstrued. It is, I'd say, I would say it's very difficult. There, and, and there are multiple barriers uh, and they do need to slowly be broken down. And I think that can only come from within the community as well as from outside the community. It's a two-part effort because the BAME community has a job in trying to make sure that those barriers are eradicated and that they're not a problem, as well as them being sort of the, the perceptions and I guess the unconscious biases being removed. I think we're, we're far, far away from them being completely removed because it takes, that takes time and it requires trust and so on and so forth. Um, saying it's going to be too difficult is not an option uh, and giving up is not an option either. I think it is a case of perseverance. Absolutely. It seems that a lot of breaking down these barriers stems from understanding, understanding different cultures and, and some of the things you just mentioned. And a big part of that is awareness, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think and I think it's about tackling them in a diplomatic way rather than getting sort of angry about it or anything like that, because it's nobody's fault. I do a bit of mentoring myself and a person of Jamaican origin we were talking and he'd been basically rejected for a job and he'd gone to the lengths of actually recording the interview because he felt that he'd been discriminated against in other interviews. So he, he recorded this interview and we listened to it together and I'm not going to go into details of what happened within the interview, but our conversation afterwards was like, I said to the person, I said, if that person has, you know, if you've been treated like this during the interview, do you really want to work there? You know, because that treatment isn't going to go away because if you interact with those same people, then it's likely that you're going to feel like this in the future. So do you really want to work then? And, and it was a good, good way of looking at it because what that meant is that he realized that it wasn't, it wasn't his fault. It was, it was actually the other person that was on the other side. They had to be educated rather than him and that he wasn't the problem and to not, for him to not think that he is the issue. Absolutely right. So there are research papers out there that show there is a significant correlation between a more diverse leadership team and financial outperformance. Why do you think this is? I would say by having more diverse leadership you have on board a set of different views a set of different values and also views and values that will be embodied within how the organization behaves and does conducts its business 
for the right reasons rather than it just being something that's written on paper to publicize they will actually live and breathe those views and values and represent them and those should come out in the company's behaviors um, you know in a professional uh, in a professional context so how they interact with people but also it means that at leadership level if those views and if the team is very diverse at that level it also encourages that throughout the organization um, so if it's quite a large organization you then have that level of respect and tolerance sort of within the company's dna so to speak and that's infectious and it means that people will be more attached to the organization in a similar way to i mean how i said about our hr platform you know a happier workplace means more productivity and if you have a happier workplace um, your performance will be better of course how would you like to see business becoming more inclusive? I, I would like to see businesses becoming more inclusive for the right reasons rather than the wrong reasons. So I think, I mean, if this is sort of talking about um, the necessity of quotas and that kind of thing, I'm sort of, I have a view that I think they can be beneficial, but they can also be very detrimental. So businesses should see the value of becoming more inclusive and want to do it for the right reasons and demonstrating that where it's sort of even in say for example in terms of recruitment demonstrating that in selection criteria so obviously if you're wanting a diverse workforce and you know that somebody from a disadvantaged background they don't necessarily need to be a person of color but somebody from a disadvantaged background may not have had the education that somebody else has had so if that business was to become more inclusive it should be based upon merit and potential rather than necessarily sort of what educational background or what school university or college that person has gone to because they can still become the best leader the best manager there is in that organization it doesn't you know they don't need to have experienced necessarily those things the other experiences that they have that have been through may actually be more relevant to their workplace than you know having sat through lots and lots of classes and been to lots of lots of lectures and achieved a first from a prestigious university absolutely it makes complete sense do, do you think we are moving towards that or are we a long way from there I would say there are efforts being made to move towards that. We're, we're a long way away from it being a level playing field. And that would be, that would be, the, that would be the end game. You know? So the, the perfect world would be that there would be fairness and equality and there wouldn't be this sort of biased view existing. And... The thing is, it's, it is a necessity to do that because we live in a much more connected world and the world is diverse. The world we live in is very diverse. To wrap up, Azir, what do you see are the advantages to businesses by having a more diverse and inclusive workforce? So I think my, my, the point I made in the, in previously was, you know, the world is more connected and the world is very diverse. So if we actually look at the makeup 
of the world in terms of backgrounds, in terms of ethnicities, and so on and so forth. To actually have a business that succeeds in, um, in today's world and tomorrow's world, having that diverse workforce and inclusive workforce is, in, is an absolute must because it's a global marketplace that in itself is a competitive edge in terms of having that inclusive workforce, that diversity, and also demonstrating that in, in the outward facing view, if that's the right way to say it. As soon as people can see that, there's more, they're more attractive, attracted to that particular business. And they will more likely, somebody that conforms to those same values will prefer to do business, I would say, with somebody that has a more ethical view of things. And I think that it is that it sort of, it goes into sort of ethics and that kind of thing. When doing business is not just about price, it's about um, surviving through difficulties and, uh, and, you know, tough patches that diverse and inclusive workforce is, is going to be very useful to business because there are struggles all around uh, you know, I've I've had struggles in my life that are probably very different to struggles that other people from different backgrounds may have had. And, and actually that experience, that life experience has many advantages to business as well. Azir, thank you so much for your time. If people want to find out more about you and your business, where can they go? So they can come and speak to me or they can visit our website which is www.a2zteck.co.uk or my contact details and company contact details are on there. More than happy to have a chat and discuss further. It's something I'm passionate about. It was an absolute pleasure talking to Azir, hearing about not only his, but many people's challenges. It was inspiring to hear about the ways he sees we can change to this globally diverse world we live in. Next up, we hear about the research project itself, and who better to talk about it than Set Squared's diversity champion, Paul Forster. I'm Paul Forster. I am community manager at Set Squared Bristol. Main crux of my role is looking after the community of startups here. Uh, we've got just over 80 at the moment, um, making sure they're subscribing to our current program. I do some other sort of project management work. I do a lot of um, engagement with the local Bristol ecosystem. Um, a lot of engagement with investors um, and another primary point of my role is that I am diversity champion. Recently, Paul, you have been a part of a diversity research project with SetSquared. How did that come about? So when I first joined SetSquared, there was a piece of research that had been done uh, by, I think it was Rosie from uh, SetSquared Bath. Um, and I think she was the lead on it anyway. And that was on um, gender diversity within the different SetSquared centres. Um, and off the back of that, we realised that we need to do something similar in line with uh, Black, Asian and minority ethnic people to see why there aren't more founders from that background in SetSquared. And we're very lucky uh, at Bristol to have had some funding given to us by the University of Bristol um, because they have a commitment to diversity at the moment as well. Um, and so we uh, looked for some research partners, got a proposal together, found the ones that seemed to be the best fit, which was a conglomerate between Ashley Community Housing, which are a refugee housing association, but also did research, and a community organization called Up Our Street, which is all about engaging the local community. And we uh, started some research with 
them, which was all about looking at the barriers that uh, BME people have into accessing uh, Set Square Bristol support. So who was involved in the project? Tell us about the range of businesses or people that were interviewed. So the, the research process started with um, a series of interviews. Um, so first of all, all the staff at Set Square Bristol were interviewed um, and all of the companies with BAME founders were also interviewed. And there was a survey put out to look for tech entrepreneurs in the Bristol area to see if they could respond favorably to the research. And so off the back of that, the research partners ended up with, I think it was two focus groups, all peopled by individuals from a BME background or were either tech entrepreneurs or in the tech uh, scene. And so they were interviewed and they gave a lot of great qualitative data. Can you tell us a bit about the key findings of the project? So the main findings from the research is that we need to engage more with local communities. A great quote from that is that we need to feel, get ourselves uncomfortable. Um, and I think that that's a really interesting phrasing because it is very comfortable being in Setsquared Bristol. We have a great support system, a great network. And I think to be outside of that and understand the challenges that people face when they don't have our support is really enlightening. And to be able to understand the different levels of support that people might need at different stages when they're from uh, different backgrounds or different parts of the um, city. And another key part of the, uh, the research that informed us was that we need to change our messaging and our marketing. And so what were the outcomes or next steps that came from the research project, Paul? Okay, that's a very good question. So we had a small amount of money left from the uh, funding that the University of Bristol gave us for the initial research project which we had saved, uh, knowing that there would be some recommendations came out of it. One of the things that we first did is that we have a marketing audit going on, uh, which means that we are looking over all of our content, which means our website, our social, any internal communications. And we're working with an external social consultancy called the Social Detail, and we're getting them to challenge us on um, the way that we inform our message. And um, we're also getting them to get a style guide together for us. And that's going to be something really, uh, really purposeful. And we wanted to make sure that we were going back and changing the information for ourselves to make it more inclusive um, instead of it being somebody else going back and doing it for us because it would sort of seem to be lip service in that respect. We are in the process of implementing some training. There's gonna be some inclusivity training for the Set Squared team so that we can understand the purpose behind what we're doing and so we can challenge our own conceptions of things. That's gonna be run by um, a philosophy professor from the University of Bristol. And we are in the process of agreeing on some more training which will be for our actual business founders, the, uh, the ventures within Set Squared, which will be more around intercultural competency and so that will be uh, in line with the companies to ensure that they have a robust diversity and inclusion policy, that their hiring practices are um, working in the right direction. And so that's another key thing. And these are all things that were recommended to us by the research. And uh, one of the key things that the recommendations from the research mentioned was that they wanted to find a way to encourage more uh, young BME entrepreneurs into SetSquared. And off the back of that, we have decided to launch a bursary for um, young Bristolians that are from BME backgrounds that want um, to launch their tech businesses. We'll be launching that in February and more details on that to follow. 
In your opinion, what are the advantages to business by having a more diverse and inclusive workforce? In my opinion, I think that having a more diverse and inclusive workforce uh, breeds a much better business culture. I think the, the kind of diversity of thought and the diversity of ideas also breeds innovation. Um, if you look to countless different reports that have been done on it, uh, the more diverse a uh, company, the more innovative it is. Um, I think the keystone of that that gets held up is there's a, a McKinsey report on this, which often gets cited. Diversity matters. McKinsey report from 2015. And are there any immediate steps businesses can take to be more inclusive? Oh, that's a really good question. Being more inclusive isn't just about what you do, it's about how you think. So it's about challenging your own preconceptions. It's about allowing yourself to feel uncomfortable. It's about sitting down and thinking about the way that you think and allowing yourself to potentially be a little bit vulnerable and maybe feel like the bad guy occasionally. You know, if you have a business full of ostensibly uh, white middle-class men, then maybe you should ask yourself some questions on whether or not your hiring practices are as um, inclusive and robust as they could be. I know that there are a lot of different companies and services in place that look into analyzing job specs and person specs to see how diverse and inclusive they are. That's definitely one step would be to look into your hiring practices, but it would also be into looking into business culture as well. And looking into if you're hiring somebody from a diverse background, it shouldn't be positive discrimination. Um, And once you have hired somebody from a diverse background, the inclusion of that person into the business and the change of your culture is really important. Uh, For instance, if um, you've hired somebody from a culture that doesn't imbibe alcohol, then your kind of Friday lunchtime trip to the pub might have to be curtailed for something slightly less, um, less boozy. So if anything, it's about being mindful of other people and having some flexibility and understanding to where they're coming from. I think that's very base level. I think the asking for help, presuming that you're not the expert at something is very, very important when it comes to having a more diverse and inclusive business. Find um, a community organization, find a consultant, find a mentor, find somebody who understands the landscape and ask them to help because it's never too late to help. It's never too late to do better. A great answer to a good question. Thank you for your time, Paul. Thank you to both Azir and Paul, who we spoke to on this episode. If you are interested in the work they are doing, check the show notes of this podcast for the link. To see the research project for yourself and find out more, go to setsquared.co.uk. stay up to date with the programs we offer follow us on twitter too at set squared and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from so that you never miss an episode thanks for listening to set squared downloaded <laughs>